I want you to grab your Bibles or any electronic device in which you have a Bible app on. Hold it up high and repeat after me. This is my Bible. The Word of God. And inside, God tells me the plans he has for my life. He tells me how much he loves me. Even when this world tells me that I am not lovable. And I shall be all that God desires for me to be. Because his Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. And this I proclaim in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited about our journey we're about to take, that's about to take place in the Word. Now, I have to tell you this. I've been going through this journey on my own, so uh, it's understandable that I may be a little bit more excited about it than you. But what makes me even more excited right now is the fact that I get to grab your hands and we get to walk through it together. As always, I ask that you write down notes and observations, things that you see. There are going to be some things as we walk through a text that God will speak directly to you because he wants it to be applicable to your life. Remember, the scripture has one interpretation, but there are numerous applications because of what may be going through in your life. Write it down. Go back through it. Listen, not later like next year. Go back through it all this week. Go back and look at that text and you're going to discover what I already know, that the word is alive. It's alive. And so if you don't mind, turn your attention to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, you guys, be good to me. I'm going to be good to you. Let, remind me that you are here, all right, be, because, because I, I think you're going to be excited uh, or just as excited as I have been uh, as I've been going through this word. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to focus our attention on verses 16 through 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it one more time, uh, and the reason why I'm going to read it to you one more time, would you please memorize this scripture? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to take about one minute because I want you to do something uh, a little bit different. I want you to pull out your phone, so just have your phone out and pull out your, um, I, I know I normally tell you to put your phones away uh, unless you got your Bible app open, but I want you to just turn it to the text part where you can text and I want you to text someone. Now, the person you're going to text is going to be yourself. I do this to myself. I'm, I'm not asking you to do something. I've been doing this for years. I've been sending myself text messages and no, listen, I, listen, I, I, I am crazy, but there's no paperwork on me. 
right? I want you to text yourself. And all I want you to do right now, I want you to text yourself this first word. Don't close it. I want you to be, listen, you can go between two apps. You're going to go back to your Bible app. I just want you to text yourself right now, rejoice always. Would you just text yourself right now, rejoice always. What we're going to talk about today are instructions for daily living. And it's easy to come up here and say, hey, I would love for us to focus on a message completely and thoroughly about Thanksgiving Day. It's a time where in the United States, a day is set aside for people to give thanks. And they often give thanks for their family, for their friends, they give thanks for their homes, their houses, their jobs. They may give thanks for their community. But notice what I have not said. I did not say that the majority set aside this day to give thanks unto the Lord. Another thing that is uh, actually uh, antithesis to the way it's supposed to be is the fact that we are not supposed to focus on a single day of thanksgiving because every day for a believer is a day of thanksgiving. Whether you have a turkey or not, whether you have a ham or not, whether you have potato salad or collard greens or yams or a potato pie or an apple pie or a peach cobbler or brownies, listen, it does not matter Every day is a day of Thanksgiving. It, it, you do not have to cook a meal and invite people over to your home or go over to their home to have a day of Thanksgiving. Why? Because for a believer, every day is a day of Thanksgiving. Oh, I'll let you know something else. It's not just the daytime, but it's the nighttime too. It's in the darkest hours of our life that it is a time of thanksgiving. And let me tell you this, whether there's a turkey or a ham or chicken or fish on your table, if there's nothing inside your cupboards at all, let me tell you, it is still a day and a night of thanksgiving. I know what Thanksgiving looks like if there's only an orange or a walnut, but I also know what it looks like if there's just only a piece of, listen, if there's just one drumstick from a turkey and that drumstick is going to be shared between seven people, I know what a day of Thanksgiving looks like. So there may be some ups and downs in our emotions based upon the material in front of us. But God says you can give me thanks because of the immaterial. There are things that you cannot see. And I am at work in your life and I have made you thoroughly rich whether you understand it or not. And so I cannot wait for us. You see why I'm so excited as I've been listening. Let, 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 listen, notice how Paul starts off. Paul was the, uh, God used Paul to uh, author this letter. This was one of the first letters that Paul actually wrote. I know when you read in the Bible chronologically, the first thing you see uh, that Paul wrote was the book of Romans. But 1 Thessalonians would have been the first or one of the first letters that he ever wrote. And Paul, he wrote this letter and Paul said this. Paul says, rejoice always. And Paul is writing this letter to a group of people that are under great 
persecution, under great tribulation. In other words, tribulation, persecution translated means under pressure. These people were under pressure. And Paul says, I want you to rejoice always. Now, I don't know about you, but even when the pressure's not great, I never said to my mom when she was about to whoop me, whoo, I'm so joyful. Listen, when Paul wrote this letter, Paul is writing from the jailhouse. I don't know many people who are in Gwinnett County or DeKalb County saying, "Woo, rejoice. No, they're saying, get me out of here. Paul says, rejoice, watch this, always. And think about this. When we think about rejoicing or think about joy, some of us think that we have to put on this artificial fake smile, this plastic mask. And we have to tell people, oh, it's all good. Everything's all right. Oh, I, I, I was sharing one time in a Bible study. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was, he was sharing about num- his health problems. And he said, I, he said, I'm taking medication uh, because my blood pressure is too high. So I have to take this blood pressure right here to bring it down. But I also have to take this medicine right here because sometimes my blood pressure get too low and I have to take this medicine to get it back high. And he said, sometimes he says, I, I take this blood, I take this medicine right here because I can't fall asleep at night and it helps me to fall asleep at night. But sometimes I doze off during the day. So I have to take this medication here so I don't doze off during the day. When he got through naming, he named about 18 medicine. Then he said, but it's all right. Here's the deal. You do not have to put on a show or a mask and pretend like everything is all right. That's not what the Bible is teaching. The Bible is not teaching you to be fake, phony, or to put on this mask and hide and deny your feelings. Listen, the Bible's not asking you to do that. If that's turmoil in the family, if that's problems on the job, if that's issue with your life where there's a stumbling block, there's a sin issue that is difficult for you to overcome, you do not have to put on a fake show and pretend like everything's okay. In fact, let me tell you this. Uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Jesus himself. This is, this is Jesus. Jesus was in... Great, great, um, great turmoil and pain. Uh, Paul went through this also, but Jesus, I'll give you an example for Paul first. Paul described himself as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, now, listen, I'm sad, but I'm always rejoicing. So I can be sad and at the same time rejoice. Uh, Not only that, Paul told uh, the others, he said, encourage others to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Paul did not say, tell those who are weeping to shut up and pretend like they're happy. That's that's not what he said. Uh, In in fact, Jesus Christ, uh, when he was facing the cross, he was in great pain and great turmoil and he cried out to the Lord. He was weeping. It it, it hurt him. So you can be in sorrow. You can be sad and yet rejoice. It is possible to do those different things. In fact, did you know in 1 Thessalonians 5, what we're reading right now, did you know, according to the uh, Greek New Testament, that this is the actual shortest verse in the Greek New Testament, rejoice always in the Greek New Testament. But did you know what the uh, shortest verse is in the English New Testament? Jesus well. 
Jesus wept, but yet still the Bible says rejoice always. So how is this possible? How can you bring the two together? Well, rejoicing is not about our circumstances, first of all. It's not about our circumstances. To have joy is not about how you and I feel. It's not a listen. It's not a denial of the feelings, but it is not. Uh, we are not governed by our circumstances. We're governed by God. Joy is not based upon what's happening, like happiness. Joy is based upon the fact that we have a focus on Jesus Christ, who has overcome it all. I can be joyful with whatever I'm going through, not because the circumstances may improve, but because my God is seeking to improve me. My circumstances may not change. Listen, if you listen, if, if most of your problems come from your family, now you know. Pookie been bothering you 10 years ago. You think he's not going to bother you tomorrow. Pookie may not change, but God will change you. The people around you may continue to be a headache. They may continue to be a thorn in your side, but God will continue to change you. Your work environment. Your work environment may be a tough environment. He didn't say your environment will become smoother. It didn't, it didn't say it's going to change, but God says, I'll change you. I'll toughen you up. And oftentimes, oftentimes we want this removing job and God says, no, I'm doing an improvement job. I'll give you joy in the midst of your trials and in the midst of your circumstances. That is what God does for you and I. He gives us joy. Have you ever noticed when you take your children to the doctor, and, and, and some of us may have older kids, but uh, whoever came up with this concept, you take your children to the doctor when they're feeling sick or ill, and uh, there's a problem that we want the doctors to fix. But many doctor offices, if you notice, for children, they'll have an area that is a play area for the kids. And it has books and it has toys, things like that. And those kids will get there and temporarily they will become distracted from their pain. They will become distracted from their illness and they will uh, be distracted long enough until the doctor is able to see them and address the problem that is going on with them. Now, that is an external uh, an external way that uh, the doctor's office deal with it. But did you know that God has designed a play area inside of you and my soul and he has given us joy? as a play area to distract us long enough from our circumstances until he comes and he fixes it and put everything in the proper order like it's supposed to be. Because one day there will be no crying, there will be no weeping, there will be no pain, there will be no suffering. And in the meantime, he says, I've given you this play area it's called joy. And notice the key to having joy. It's not just based upon I got this philosophy or uh, of feeling better about search. No, the key to actually having joy is actually in this same, at the bottom of the verse, notice he says, rejoice always. And the key is, for this is the will of you, of God for you in Christ Jesus. The key to it 
is in Christ Jesus. Watch this. You ever heard someone say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what the will of God is for my life. I can give you three things that I know is the will of God for you in your life. Rejoice always. You see that? Pray without ceasing. Give thanks always. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible says this is the will of God for you and I. This is a universal instruction. This is an imperative. In fact, it's an imperative. It's a command. It's not an option to the believer. It is a command. And why would he command the believers this? Why would he command the believers this? Because it causes us to look opposite of the world. We're opposite of the world because we are able to rejoice always. We're able to pray without ceasing and we're able to give thanks no matter what the circumstances are. And that is the will of God, but it is only possible in Christ Jesus. And so stop looking to someone who is not a believer, someone who is not walking with the Lord. And if, listen, if you're not in proper fellowship with the, go, uh, uh, the Lord, it is understandable that you don't rejoice always. It is understandable that if you don't walk with the Lord, that you do not pray. It is understandable that if you do not walk with the Lord, that you're not able to give thanks always. The key to it all is being in Christ Jesus. The beautiful part about being in Christ Jesus is that you didn't put yourself there in the first place. First of all, Jesus Christ died on the cross for your and my sins. You and I put our faith and trust in him. We were placed into the body of Christ. We're placed into the hands of the Father. No one can take us out. And he says, as long as you live in Jesus, remain connected to the vine. And listen, this is not just about having a relationship with Christ. This is about being in proper fellowship with Christ. Being in fellowship and in relationship, they're two different things. In a relationship, that means that relationship cannot be severed. Anyone who comes to know and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you're saved forever. No one can take that away, including yourself. But your fellowship can be interrupted. Listen, recently one of my kids got upset with me. They, I'm not saying a he or a she. Listen, I'm not going to name which one. Three girls and two boys. So you want, if they're watching online, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> they got upset. And they got off the phone with me. I got off the phone with them. They didn't call me for a few days. I reached out to them. They didn't call me for a few days. But you know the beautiful thing about it? I was still daddy. They were still who they are. I'm being careful. That relationship had not changed even though they were upset with daddy. Daddy wasn't even upset. Daddy was okay. Daddy went on. In fact, I told you guys before when one of my kids said to me, hey, I don't want to conversate about this. I said, great. I don't want to conversate either. I just want you to listen to me. I don't want to talk to you either. Good. Listen. It was one of those. And here's the thing. I was still daddy. They're still who they are. We still have this relationship. Nothing can undo that. But there was no fellowship. There was no fellowship going on. Let me tell you, if you want to experience the joy of God as a believer, walk in lockstep, walk in alignment with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and you can rejoice always. Why? 
Rejoicing is also based upon the fact, the reality that God is ever present. See, I, no matter what I'm going through, whether it's a storm, whether it's a fire, whether I'm on the top mountain or the bottom of the valley, guess what? The reality is God's with me. And if God's with me, it causes great joy. Lord, extra money came in. Boy, you can have joy. Lord, no money came in. I still got my joy. Because even when the money's not there, God says, you got me. You have me. When your friends turn their back on you, when your family ostracize you, God says, you still got me. And I still hold you. But watch this other command. He says, rejoice always. So, so he instructs us to rejoice, but he also instructs us to do this. He says, pray without ceasing. He says, listen, pray without ceasing. Uh, does this mean that I pray every waking moment? Uh, obvious, uh, listen, it's obvious that that's not what the text is saying, but it's helpful to know what the word uh, translated without ceasing actually means. See, see here, uh, when you translate this uh, original word, it means to cough, to continually cough. Uh, it's a continuous hacking. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, <coughs> y'all know, <I'm, coughs> it's not, <coughs> you ever, you, you, do you have any friends or family that have a continuous hacking, uh, and they can't help it, but it's not, <coughs> they, they get sentences in, they get paragraphs in, but then they, <coughs> <coughs> what he's saying is that when you pray without ceasing, let it be so repetitive, let it be so continuously that it's noise, it becomes a characteristic of yours. In fact, have you ever been on an elevator or in the doctor's office and you're talking to the doctor and you, you, you got this conversation going on, but if you pay close attention, you'll hear some sounds in the background. You ever heard that uh, the music playing in the background? But you forget the music is playing in the background, some of us do. But some of us hear those tunes. We can hear the music playing as we talk to the doctor. Well, God's saying, listen, keep me in the equation. Keep me in the conversation. Listen, you, you don't want to do this thing without me. Now, listen, some of us treat prayer like it's the national anthem at the football game. You, 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 know, uh, you know, most of the football games, they start with the national anthem. But the national anthem has nothing to do with the reality that's going to take place on the field. And some of us teach, uh, uh, we treat prayer like that. We say prayer has nothing to do with the reality of what's going on. And some of us treat uh, prayer like it's a broken Coke machine. You ever put some quarters in a Coke machine and the Coke did not come out and you try to get the Coke. Listen, you keep pressing the button. The Coke doesn't come out. You try it two or three times. After a while, you start kicking the machine and you shake the machine and the Coke doesn't come out and you just throw your hands in the air and you walk away. And you treat prayer the same way. You know it's something you're supposed to do, but you say it's not working. Some of us treat prayer like that. The Bible says we are to pray without ceasing. Whatever we're going through, whatever's taking place in our life, God says, you have me in the conversation. Watch this, directing the conversation. Let, let me stir 
the conversation. Let me move the conversation. Why? Because, listen, it, it's almost like having uh, the power of attorney. And then the way that works is when you and I pray, did you know we pray God, Father, Father God, and when God receives the message, guess who he receives it from? He receives it from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit delivers our message to the Father. But let me tell you what the Father does before he responds. The Father, he looks over at Jesus Christ and he says, Son, do you sign off on this prayer? And when the Son say, I do, the prayer is answered. Listen, you do not want to go through life without prayer. Prayer is not a conversation that's one-sided. It is dialogue. In, in, in fact, I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll try to do hey, that. Hello? Hey. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Gonna, yeah. I'm going to try to do that and make sure. So, uh, also, if you could just look at the car that's, that's I don't there, think I'm going to do that. And then, um, just maybe, well, maybe I'm not going to, listen, you're not going to have a car. You're going to have a the box. car wash and get it clean. Oh, but the tires No, I want you to change your course today. What I want you to do is to, no, what I want you to do, I need you to be at that mall. I want you to be at the mall. I got a lady there that I want you to talk to. She's been there for like five or six days, and I got a plan for you to be there. You know, what I need you to do. So, hey, I'm trying, can you hear me? I'm trying to tell you, I'm, can you hear me? Like, I'm really trying to get your, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention and whatnot. Can you hear me now? Oh, oh yeah, I was, I was holding down the button. Sorry. You you were doing what? I was holding down the button. I, I couldn't hear you. And you do realize when you hold down that button, you can't hear me. Uh, yeah. That's us to a T. That's, that, that is us. Listen, here's our problem. He was talking. We talk to God. God is listening. Remember, it's dialogue. When God speaks back to us, part of our problem is we keep talking. We don't take our finger off of the button. Our finger becomes frozen to the button and it becomes one way. We do all the talking, but prayer is talking and listening. 
And he was telling me what he wanted and I was telling him what I was going to do and what I was not going to do and what I expected him to be and what I expected him to do. But he could not hear me because he was so busy talking. And who had the answers? God has the answers. You and I don't come with the answers. God comes with the answers. Prayer is dialogue. And so, yes, we pray without ceasing, but praying without ceasing does not mean talking without ceasing. Listen, listen. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives, but we must listen. And if we listen, it's not only going to change the conversation, it will change our conduct and it will change the outcome. We are to rejoice always and we are to pray without ceasing. Don't put an end to it. Now, some people say, does that mean I keep talking, keep talking? No, have a mind so focused on Jesus Christ that there is nothing that you leave him out of. I don't care. There was a lady that went to G. Campbell Morgan and she says, I only go to God. She said, preacher, I just want you to know. She says, now the little things I don't take to God. I only take to God the big things. And the preacher looked at her, he said, lady, do you realize that anything you take to God is a little thing? And it's almost like the dad leaving, saying, praying with his family, Lord, watch over my children, watch over my wife while I'm gone. And God said, who, who do you think watch them when you're here? <laughs> Pray without ceasing involve God into every conversation, every single aspect. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And I love how he says this part. And he says, give thanks. What? Give, give, give thanks. And he says, in all things, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything. So does that mean, uh, Lord, I just lost my job. I'm so thankful I lost my job. Lord, I'm sick. I'm so happy I'm sick. Lord, I just stumped my toe. Woo, I'm so thankful I stumped my toe. Lord, I'm broke. I'm so glad to be broke. That's not what the text means. Listen, don't take things out of context and don't take things... This text means in all your circumstances, you can give thanks because God is still present. You have a pocket full of money, God is present. You have no money in your pocket, God is present. You have loved ones all around you, God is present. But when you have no one else around you, God is present. Listen, we can rejoice always in all things. I, I just want to share a, a, a key scripture with you. Uh, concerning this. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And he's telling us to give thanks in every situation, uh, even if, listen, even when you're not happy. It's not based upon your happiness. Are your arms unable to work and lift up and give God praise when you're not happy? It, it, is your voice lost to praise God when you're not happy? 
Don't take this the wrong way. It might explain why sometimes when we're in the worship gathering, your hands don't go up and your voice don't go out. Because you might be basing it upon your happiness. Joy and happiness, I want to go back to those two real quick. Joy is an element, an ingredient of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you want to experience joy, joy, you have to walk in the Holy Spirit. Joy, therefore, is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. When you walk in the Holy when you walk in the Spirit, joy is going to be a fruit that starts to develop in your life. It doesn't happen overnight. If you are a type of person that grumbles at every single thing, if you mumbles about, mumble about everything, if you get agitated about everything, if you're argumentative about everything, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to grumble anymore. It doesn't mean you're not going to mumble. It doesn't mean you're not going to get agitated. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden that's going to go away in the next 30 minutes or the next day. I'm sorry for those of you who have to live with that, with that person. It don't mean that person's going to change overnight. But if that person walks in the spirit of God, you're going to start to see a progression in their joy. And that joy is going to change the way they speak. It's going to change their tone. It's going to change their volume. You're going to notice that the outbursts of anger and frustration, you're going to see that it becomes more infrequent. It's going to be a wider gap. And not only that, you're going to notice also a lot of times when that person does uh, those things happen, they're going to be very apologetic about it because those things start to become contrary to who they are. Because the more you walk in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit, he doesn't operate like that because the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us with his word where the word tells us to make sure that we do all things, speak with love, but with truthfulness. A person will learn to tell the truth without being ugly and nasty about it, but still have love in it. And they will still give love, but give truth. In other words, they're not going to sugarcoat it. They're going to tell the truth, but they're going to come with honey. And when they become agitated, when they grumble, when they complain, if they cuss and they fuss and they start to walk in joy, you're going to start to see that gap. And here's the thing. Thankfulness, prayer, and joy, they go hand in hand. The more you pray, the more joyful you're going to be. The more you pray, the more thankful you're going to be. The more thankful you are, the more you're going to pray. The more you pray, the more you're going to realize, I got something to be joyful about. And the more you're joyful, the more you're going to give God thanks. You see how they just work? It's not peanut butter and jelly. It's peanut butter, jelly, and the bread. Everyone always talks about peanut butter and jelly, but with no bread, you don't have a sandwich. Peanut butter, jelly, and the bread. And you put them all together, and you have the ability to do this. But the ability does not rest in just you and listen. It doesn't rest in you and I. It rests in us being in Christ. It can be accomplished because we are in Christ. And remember this, God doesn't want you to fail at this. And because God doesn't want you to fail at this, God has provided everything you need to succeed at. Now, how do I know God doesn't want you to fail at this? I've already told you earlier, this is the will of God. The text says this. This is God's will. So God doesn't want you to fail at it. So that means that God's going to provide everything you need in order for you to rejoice always, to be thankful, 
and to also pray without ceasing. And you know know what? I'm I'm gonna close. I'm I'm gonna close. But I remember reading about family sitting at a table and they were getting ready to eat. They had three little boys. Three little boys had been acting up the whole day, the whole day. And here they were at the Thanksgiving table and the boys were still acting up, just, just cutting up. And the dad said to them, get up, go to your room. You're not going to have dinner tonight. The three boys, they slid out of their chairs. They know they were in the wrong. They went to their rooms and they were in their rooms for about 30, 40 minutes. Then all of a sudden they heard the voice of their mom. And the mom said, boys, boys, come down. Come down for dinner. Boys, come down for dinner. The boys, they came down the stairs and sheepishly, they sat at the table. They looked at their mom. They didn't understand why they were going to be able to have dinner. And they asked mom, mom, I thought we couldn't have dinner. Dad said we couldn't have dinner. And where is dad? She said, oh, your dad's in his room. Why is dad in his room? Well, your dad, he felt so bad about you not being able to have the privilege to enjoy dinner that he decided he wanted to pay the penalty for you, so he put himself in the room. I want you to know this about Christ. Christ wants you and I to have joy and have joy abundantly. God wants us to have that. He desires for us to have that. He wants us to have that abundance of joy. And joy comes from being in a relationship with him. And God says, I love you so much. I want you to experience this joy. And I want you to experience it like overflowing. That I have sent my son to pay the penalty. That you may have the privilege to be in a relationship with me. God the Father. Because I love you. He loves you. And on top of that, boys, girls, you're going to be able to do better. Why? Because we also have the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you. He's going to direct you if you'll accept this great gift of the person who's paid the penalty for you and I. Would you please stand? I just want you to think about this opportunity. It's an opportunity right now, a few days before the United States celebrate a day called Thanksgiving, which we all know is every day for a believer. Why don't you make this day, if you do not know Jesus Christ, a day where you can kickstart this relationship where you can experience rejoicing, where you can experience hearing from the creator of the universe and where you can lift up your arms and give praise even in the darkest hours. Why don't you make that change today?